Welcome to The Deeper Podcast. I'm Pastor Doug Taylor, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave Vance, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. We have campuses in Shelby, Ohio, Mansfield, Ohio. We have a city center campus in downtown Mansfield, and we also have a campus that meets at the prison on Friday nights. Um, this podcast is designed to help listeners and small groups go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper and life application. We love doing these podcasts and we really love it when we get feedback from our listeners. I got some feedback just just this morning from people that watch this in the middle of the week. So if you're if you watch this on Facebook or on our website or on iTunes, jot us a note, write us a review or send us an email. We love to get that feedback. Only if it's good feedback and good reviews. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, hey, Pastor Dave, how was your Thanksgiving? It was great. How can you beat uh, food, football, fun, family, and friends? You can't beat it. Um, had a great, I, gotta, I don't know about you, I ate way too many hors d'oeuvres. Uh, my wife made these uh, bacon-wrapped chestnuts, and we make this, this dip that's kind of a homemade recipe. And I'm telling you, I was filled by the time the turkey came. How about you, Doug? Yeah, I, I ate it all. Did you? <laughs> I, I paced myself and I tried everything, loved it all. The pies, uh, sometimes I had three pies on my plate at one time, <laughs> had to try them all, you know. So it was, uh, same with us, a wonderful time. We went out to Massachusetts on my wife's side of the family, yeah. had a great visit, lots of fun, lots of food. Are so. you done with turkey now? I'm done with turkey. I've eaten in the last few days uh, leftovers. I'm done. No more turkey. I am not done with turkey. I'm looking forward to maybe two more turkey meals. Not leftovers. New turkey. You know, we bought we bought a couple of turkeys while they were on sale. So I'm looking forward. You know, I like watching football and eating turkey. There you go. But uh, no more leftovers. I'm with you there. I'm done with <laughs> I'm done with leftovers. But it was a great time just to be thankful and spend it with family. Yeah. Let's dive in uh, to our podcast this morning. We are uh, in the Jonah series. This is part seven already, yeah. and it's when God's mission hurts. And we're in Jonah chapter four, and we're looking at verse five through 11. So let me ask you a few questions as we look at the, this is kind of the end of the story for us, isn't it? It is. Um, have you ever felt compelled to do something and there's nothing could stop you from doing it? You just felt compelled to go after it? Man, there, there, there's a few different things. You know, I, I, one of the things that's really interesting just currently is uh, I, I'm writing a book uh, called The Idol Called Grace Based Upon a Series. And there's something in me that's just like, I am going to finish this thing. And uh, there's a part of me, there's been moments where I just want to throw in the towel, but I'm just, I am go, I'm go, I've gone after it. Uh, even here during the Thanksgiving break, I've been working on this to get, to get things done. So I'm excited about that. That's something I feel compelled to do. Um, Certainly when I met my wife, Allison, and we were in college and we started hanging out, I, was, I felt compelled to really pursue her. And, uh, and there was something in me that said, no matter what the cost, I, w I, wanted, to, I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to spend time with her. So, uh, you know, there's, there's probably many things like that. You know, when it comes to vision uh, as a church, there's some things that, man, in, in the core of my soul, I'm just like, no matter what the cost, we have to go after that. Uh, whether it be campuses or whether it be, uh, hey, we're, we want to be discipleship warrior and we want to build the body of faith so that we uh, we reflect that faith in a community and make a difference in the city. Those are things that compel me that I feel like, man, no matter what anyone says, we got to do that. Um, how about you? Anything like that? 
Yeah, probably a lot of things too. The one that comes to mind for me is coaching basketball. There was a time in my life when I was so compelled to coach and lead young men in varsity basketball that I could not imagine not doing it. And um, kind of made sure that was always part of what I was doing. In fact, I was offered a job and they said, you could have this job as athletic director, but you can't be the coach, the varsity coach. And and I passed on the job. I was so compelled that this is what I was supposed to be doing. And in fact, they did relent and let me do both but I was so you know compelled that I am at this time in my life at this season this is what I really want to do so you just have that burning desire and, and at the time it was a right desire as well as what yeah. I was supposed to be doing but God puts that in us sometimes and sometimes we're compelled to do things that we probably shouldn't be doing but we have to rely on the Holy Spirit for that um, at the end of this true story then the book of Jonah we find Jonah sitting outside the city of Nineveh what do you think he was expecting to happen? Yeah, you know, we go from chapter three where Nineveh is turned upside down, this big bad city, the arch enemy of Israel. It, it says they repent, they they take sackcloth and ashes and, and cry out to God and God relents from the evil that he's going to do to them. And and then we come to chapter four and we find Jonah displeased and and we have a change of scenery in verse five. It says Jonah goes out to the city on the east side of the city and uh, this is actually present-day Mosul in Iraq, and at the old city of Nineveh, there's a, a spot where you, many allege that's where Jonah sat overlooking the city. Now, what's interesting is, if you had just seen the greatest revival in human history happen in Nineveh, why wouldn't you be in there setting things up like Bible studies and uh, studies on the law and, and groups, groups, yeah, I mean, community, talking about uh, the the covenant God that they didn't know anything about that Jonah knew as a as an Israelite as a Jew, and and yet instead it says this in verse five that he sat under a shade till he should see what would become of the city. I think Jonah here is waiting to see whether God was actually going to destroy the city. If God was going to go back on his word and actually destroy the people of Nineveh. He was in a wait-and-see posture, and he wasn't happy with God's operation up until this point with Nineveh. And so instead of helping them live, Jonah was actually waiting for them to die. It almost looks as if he's looking, hoping that God just takes them out and they die. Yeah, God... Uh sends three illustrations to Jonah. Can you describe those three illustrations? Yes. Yeah, so in response of that posture, God says, all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a hold of it. This is eye-opening because all throughout this, this book, God has intersected Jonah with a storm in the ocean, with the fish in chapter 2, with, uh, uh, with the change of, of, of Nineveh. Uh, God is demonstrating himself to Jonah the entire time. And that proves to us this story really isn't about Nineveh. It's about Jonah. Because once again, God comes to Jonah in these three illustrations. The first one is a plant. So Jonah on the east side of the city, he makes his booth, but it's not enough to, to, to guard from the Mesopotamian sun. And so God comes and provides a plant. And we're told that it, it, it just sprouts up right there. It's miraculous. It sprouts up and it brings him shade. And it says that Jonah is exceedingly glad. It's the only place we see in the entire book where Jonah is happy. God has provided and he's sitting there and now he's happy. But then God wants to make a point and so he sends a worm. The next day he sends a worm and the worm eats the plant. And now Jonah says, take my life, I want to die. And then God says, sends a wind. And it's a wind is this wind is most likely a Sirocco, which is a, a wind that causes the temperature to drastically rise 
and the humidity to drastically drop and that creates almost like a tornado effect and so there's debris there's rocks there's dust there's uh, sand that's now blowing and it's at this point it says that Jonah is faint and he says it's better for me to die than to live here is God getting a hold of Jonah um, and you would think at this point Jonah would actually get a little bit of a he would identify with the worm you would think right the worm was the only thing that destroyed anything in the book of Jonah the only thing destroyed was a plant and it was by a worm and you would think Jonah would say wait I get it I'm like the worm. I want to see the people of Nineveh destroyed. But no, 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 he doesn't get it. Instead, he says, it's better for me to die. We see the word appointed repeated over and over again. You had mentioned the storm, the big fish, the plant, the worm, and even this wind. Yeah. You know, we, we see the word appointed. Um, how does this show God's grace towards Jonah, all, all these appointed words? It's such a great question. And, and really, I believe the key of the book of Jonah you know, there, there are these moments that we have in our life where we feel discomfort and we think that God is maybe being punitive. God is being, you know, maybe vengeful. God is coming after us. God is trying to bring us pain. And our instinct is to say, what have we done? In Jonah's case, that would have been a fair question. What have I done? And he hopefully should have answered that by saying, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not following God. I'm not compelled by the mission of God. Um, but this is not divine neglect here. This is not a moment of despair. This is a moment of compassion. This is God attempting to get a hold of Jonah. He is bringing stumbling block after stumbling block to cause Jonah to stumble over self-centeredness and see his need to sacrifice uh, himself to the Lord, to say that the Lord is worthy of my life. And so God here, this is really God's grace, God's compassionate grace in action as he is bringing roadblocks in the way to say, Jonah, come back to me. Uh, this is what this is about. It's, it's about me. Come back to me. And so that, that, is not, that is not just a moment of discomfort. It's a moment of compassion. If we, as Christians, have felt that compassion, what should that make us do on mission? Yeah, it should certainly compel our mission. You know, I would say if, if we're overwhelmed by God's compassion, uh, then we should be overwhelmed to accomplish the, compelled to accomplish the mission of God. And, and what it comes back to and what Jonah's, Jonah's, this book of Jonah is really about, it comes to the end. And God says, you know, you're angry at the plant, which you didn't make. You didn't labor. You didn't do anything for it. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? And I think that's the heart of this is that lost people matter to God. And then the question becomes, do lost people matter to you? If God's heart is a missional heart for the world, are we compelled by that mission? And if we understand God's compassion personally, the response is going to be that I want to share that, that, that compassion to a world by living on mission. Uh, that, that's the way this should play out in our lives because we know the heart of God. And that's what Jonah is confronted by in the book of Jonah is really the heart of God. And uh, in, uh, unfortunately for many of us, we have, a, uh, we have a bit of a superior attitude toward the loss. Uh, and I would dare say, Doug, if I take this one step further, I would dare say that, um, that we who have been saved for a while, we who know Christ, we who are religious, we who know the Bible, there's a greater temptation to be superior, to think I'm, I'm superior to everyone else who's out there. I really, really believe there's a greater temptation in us who know Christ and have known Christ for a, for a long time. And so for us, we have to be compelled to that mission. Yeah. So instead of separating ourselves, we need to go. That's right. You know, reach people uh, with the gospel. That's right. 
Um, why do you think, uh, maybe it's just me, but why do you think this book kind of ends abruptly? It's kind of like, I want to know more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's true. It, it says, should, should not I pity the end of it? This is God speaking that, that great city in which there are more, more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. Some believe that it was children. Some believe that was the military and it was an insult that the Israelites threw to the military. And then he says, and also much cattle, even the creation groans, the, the, for the glory of God. And it ends with that question. Should I not, should I not pity Nineveh? And I wonder when the curtain drops, if what God is attempting to say is, this isn't just the question for Jonah, it's a question for all of us. Mm-hmm. Every God fear, every person of God, the Jews, the Israelites, and now the Christians in the New Testament, do we care about what God pities? That's the question. And so it drops, the curtain drops awkwardly and abruptly so that that question still lingers and echoes into our lives today. One of my favorite passages, and I have so many, but one of my favorite passages I love is 2 Corinthians 5, you know, that 16 to 21 there. Um, how does this passage give us purpose to be on mission? Yeah, it says that we're a new creation and therefore we're ambassadors. Yeah. And you know what I love about that passage, and it is, it's one of my favorites as well, the idea that we're imploring on Christ's behalf people to come. We're ambassadors. What's interesting in the New Testament, Rome, uh, which was the empire of the day, didn't send ambassadors. They were such a, a world power. No, they didn't have to send ambassadors. Instead, they sent armies. But every other country would send ambassadors and say, hey, don't destroy us. Let us be a partner with you. And so other nations would actually send their ambassadors to Rome. Uh, and what, Christ, what we find in Second Corinthians is that Paul flips that and says, we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God, the message of the gospel, the mission of God to go proclaim his compassion and grace. We now are called to go into this kingdom, Rome, which is the world. And our job is to go proclaim that there's this great message of God's love and God's grace. And we're called to be his ambassadors. And I love that picture that we are an ambassador from the kingdom going to represent the kingdom in the country that's not our home. And that was Jonah. Jonah was meant to be, he was going to Nineveh as an ambassador of the message of God. We are called to go to our Ninevehs as a messenger of an ambassador of, of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and it's our prayer that God would give you opportunities, even this week, to share the compassion, to share the love, to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ. Pastor Dave, will you kind of close out our time with a final thought? Yeah, you know, the reason that God seeks sinners, saves sinners, and sends sinners is because God loves sinners. There's no other object of worship who loves sinners like God does. And this is, this is love in our calling. This is love at our calling. Unfortunately, too often we are more concerned with our comfort, like Jonah, rather than our commission. Maybe we'd be willing to set aside our comfort for the sake of the mission to go and proclaim the glorious truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. God bless you.